Hey there, welcome to Rekindle Your Light. I'm Idaiber Orozco, your host on this journey of rediscovering hope and resilience. Each week, we talk about reigniting that inner spark that never really fades. And we don't just stop at inspiration. We actually unpack practical tools. As a sole purpose coach, actor, human design reader, and emotion code practitioner, I am your go-to for heartfelt conversations. Let this podcast be that gentle notch, encouraging you to step the your goals and dreams. Now, open your heart and let your soul listen. This is Rekindle Your Light. Today, we talk about identity, embodiment, and empowerment with Rosa Abili, a somatic and leadership coach with a compelling journey. She recently immigrated from Iran to Toronto. Rosa left her fashion industry career to pursue a mission of empowering women through coaching. Her journey is a testament to resilience and the quest for self-discovery amidst life's overwhelming challenges. Rosa is passionate about creating deep human connections and infusing creativity with our innate humanness. Advocating for agency, she encourages embracing all parts of oneself, including our shadows, to live a fully empowered life. Her philosophy is simple. Stop giving your power away and approach empowerment with compassion. In this conversation, we also delve into the real meaning of home. Rosa's story is not just about career transformation. It's about finding empowerment within and inspiring others to do the same. Are you feeling lost or stuck lately? Wondering what your next step should be amidst all this doubt and confusion? Maybe you're searching for that elusive sense of purpose, but you just can't seem to find it. Well, guess what? I'm right here for you. Think of me as your straightforward, kind-hearted friend who's ready to help you figure things out. Together, we'll tailor a plan that fits you perfectly using all the tools I've got. It's time to take action. Head over to rekindleyourlight.com and book your free session. Ready? Let's do this. Today, I'm with my friend Rosa Abili, and I'm super excited that you get to meet her because she's one of the kindest souls I ever met. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so honored to be here. I'm Rosa. I am a somatic and purpose coach, and I have been doing this for about a year now. Before starting doing this, I was a designer, and I worked in the fashion world, and I'm so excited to share with you my journey from Ivan, where I'm from, to now I'm currently in Toronto, just moved here, so very new, and really excited to share the stories that have shaped who I am. Amazing. So you mentioned that you're originally from Iran, so you grew up and were raised there in Iran? Yes, I was born and raised there, and I moved to California when I was 18, lived there for seven years, then moved back to Iran lived there for five years and now I'm in Toronto so okay. immigrated twice <laughs> which is not an easy thing to do you know I only done it once but nonetheless I always remember how those first years felt like so what has it been like for you being in a completely different country now for a second time I know it's a very new experience but how how is it feeling right now yeah yeah as you said the first few years are always you know and I would say it's always a struggle because part of your identity is torn apart when you move to a new place. And I would say this time around, I mean, Canada is very much alike. 
mm-hmm. the US. So I wouldn't say it's like completely unfamiliar for me. But I would say it's actually harder for me this time. Because mm-hmm. as we grow, I think our adaptability and our flexibility and all these things, we have to really work on it for them mm-hmm. to like exist within our world. And I think for me, the past few like weeks of like making the decision to come and then moving here and all that, I think it has been struggling in a sense that I have tried so much to understand why we immigrate. And there's so much story within that question, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I know you understand it, but part of me feels like that's the biggest struggle of like understanding how I choose my home, why I choose to leave a place and live in another place and how each of them brings so much different choices into my life and my world and how I can be with the emotions that rise up, right? Like so many times when something new comes up in our lives, it's so exciting that it's so easy to mask the difficult emotions that come with it. Because like, as I immigrate every time, there's so much grief, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm losing so much and I'm gaining so much and it's so important to also feel that grief for me so I'm like really being with myself giving myself the space to just experience the full range of emotions that come with this new experience and now are you in Toronto by yourself do you have family there yeah I moved here with my partner so I live with my partner and his family at the moment Okay, so that makes things a little bit easier sometimes, at least when it's not just by yourself. And going from a career in fashion designing is something very different than going into the coaching world. So tell me about what happened. What was that like? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think the first thing I would say is what made me like really want to become a designer in the first place was this flow of creativity and sparks and like just you know full expression of who I am and like really inspiring others to do the same and I've always been inspired by that notion but then I started working in the design world Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that notion kind of got (laughs) disrupted because part of me wasn't creative anymore part of me was very stuck in the head and in like you know like selling ideas, selling products, selling myself, selling this, selling that, and not understanding like the essence of why I became a designer in the first place. And what it really inspired me to actually like get into coaching was, well, this is this is kind of a long story. I'm going to try to make it short. What inspired me to become a coach, I think in the first place was like everything that was happening around like women rights in Iran and the anger that it brought for me Mm -hmm. like there was so much of difficult emotions that came up for me at that time and I think part of me felt so fed up Mm -hmm. with like the whole system of like trying to be creative in a world that you know was overwhelming me with emotions and not having tools and resources to be able to, you know, be with that. And then Mm -hmm. that's when I like kind of started working with a coach, not not being a coach myself, but Mm -hmm. being a client basically. And 
I, I've done meditation, I've done embodiment practices, I've done all these communication tools for like 10 years in my life, but never there was a bridge that brought all of them together and gave me the resources to be with all of them as mm-hmm. something that I do. So when I started working with a coach, I realized that's that's what I love to do. Like I love these deep human connections. That's exactly why I became a creative. I wanted to like, you know, really connect to that full expression of people of myself and you know bring an essence of like our humanness into something creative like you know I design clothes so fashion Mm -hmm. and so I started taking courses in coaching and that's obviously how we met Mm -hmm. but yeah so I started taking courses in coaching and then as I started working with clients I was like oh my god like that creative spark is back Mm -hmm. and in a sense, the reason why it was back was really surprising to me. And it was the fact that myself again and learning to be accepting towards everything that I was and letting things flow instead of like letting things, you know, like I felt like in the creative world, sometimes we get so stuck with like how good things look like or how beautiful things look like. And forgetting about the fact that there's duality in everything Mm -hmm. and also being with that, being with like, you know, the difficulty of being a human. And really, that was what ignites my creativity these days, like being with the full range of that, right? I think that in certain way, you and I have a very similar parallel path into coaching and both coming from a creative background, both coming from a sense of wanting to have that deep connections again and not necessarily at first knowing how to weave that in and then coming together into this particular program that you and I did and that that's how we met and realizing that there is room to bring that creativity into pretty much any practice that we do but especially into the coaching world so something that I remember when I first met you that really just kind of struck me as like oh wow this woman she has so much empowerment in a quiet way that there's something that you have that is very unique about yourself where it's like you don't need to be loud about the things that you believe on you don't have to be putting yourself all over the place with your beliefs as a flag you do it in a way that seems I mean again and and we haven't shared this yet but your name on Instagram is compassion light worker and it's like you have something about you that is very compassionate. That is very, it's like the, the first thing that I got from you was that, which is not to be misunderstood with lack of strength. There's something very beautiful about how you are able to combine that kindness and that compassion and that sensitivity with your feminism and with your fashion and with your creativity. So I imagine, especially knowing where you're coming from, that that has not been an easy path how have you felt when you're navigating this world of like I am not gonna do this anymore because this is what I'm gonna do now how was that received in your environment in your family in your in your world yeah yeah absolutely I think I would say the first word that comes up to me as you were like saying this is shame like there is so much feminist person full of expression and yet being kind and being compassionate and being soft like There is, you know, there is so much shame around it. And I would say when I first started to like understand that I'm shifting path, one thing that struck me was how 
unaccepted I was towards it and like how that led others to reacting ways that they had like I was feeling shameful around being this new expression and that allowed others in a sense I forgot my agency in that and that allowed others to think oh like but you've been in fashion for so long and you've done this for a while why are you shifting now what's happening to you don't you think this is too much and like i would say i i had a very supportive family in a sense i am very privileged in that i have a very supportive partner who supported me from day one but i wouldn't say like all of them were like yeah you're doing the right thing mm -hmm. i think part of me allowed everyone to do that and then i realized this compassion and this acceptance is something that I have to take responsibility for before anybody else in my life. And I think like part of people realizing their agency in choosing every day how they live their lives, right? Like if I am a creative who's not creative anymore and I'm stuck in my like day-to-day -day very like surface level connections and then I'm like, constantly thinking why is life this way and like blaming things around me or others then I'm not taking agency right and like in creativity I think that's so powerful and empowering to realize hey I'm making a choice every single day and if I choose to be with that shame if I choose to be with you know parts of myself that I'm not even accepting towards then maybe others can also you know be criticizing of me but once I feel embodied and once I live that life once I bring compassion into myself and into my body and into my being then others find it easier to do that too and in a sense like I'm more comfortable now with people saying whatever they want like <laughs> I wouldn't say I don't care but like it doesn't also affect me in ways that it did before now I'm more like whoever loves my full embodied version and expression is the person that I want in my life. And then the rest of them, I'm sorry. This so is who you, I am. When you're talking about your full embodied version, what is it? What is that like? What does that mean? Like if somebody needs to see they're living in their own authentic path, what does that mean to you? I would say, first of all, it means seeing myself fully with all my shadows, all the parts that I don't like about myself all the parts that I've been shamed around and then really creating, holding space for myself to acknowledge all the things that I am. And then from that place, I think when I say embodied, what it means is understanding that I have agency to show it to the world. So when I talk to you, if I feel like angry, if I feel I don't know if I feel like nervous, stressful, whatever, whatever comes, I'm going to show it to you because that for me is what creates this connection that we have together. Whereas before that, I was holding myself back. I was mm -hmm. not giving myself the agency to choose to be whatever I was at that moment. And I think that's the most important part, like just literally being able to show who I am and finding safety that in order for me to be my embodied self, I should feel safe, right? And mm -hmm. that safety in my container of like every day, that allows me to be more embodied with every single person I am because then I feel safer. There's something so important about what you say regarding your shadows and the shame and the things that we don't like about ourselves. And it's like the moment that you start owning them and that's easier said than done. But the moment that you start accepting them and giving them light, they lose power. It's something as simple as saying, 
for example, in my case, I have spoken, and you probably will will identify with this as well. I have spoken a lot in the past about me feeling shameful about my accent and being told by teachers, by casting directors, that I don't sound native and therefore I'm not worthy or I'm not going to get a part because I don't sound like the part is supposed to sound. And for years, I used this as my crotch. It was my excuse to not fully show up because I was like, well, what's the point? They're looking for an American person. I'm clearly not an American person, but I am. I've been living in this country longer than what I lived in Venezuela. And hiding behind that gave me, even though it created other emotions like anger and frustration, it took my power away because then I was just using it as an excuse. And well, I didn't get this because I speak with an accent or, oh, they didn't like me because I speak with an accent. And the moment that I started speaking about this with other people and putting myself out there and owning this. And I was like, yes, I have an accent, obviously. And guess what? I am no longer going to hide it or I'm not going to try to pretend that I don't have one or being bitter about it. The moment that I started doing that, it's almost like I don't care anymore. I just don't. It's like when you are starting to own that shame, when you're starting to own the things that you were bullied for that were told that you couldn't do and you start saying, guess what? Here, here they are. Let me, let me display them out for you. They lose power, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I resonate with that so much. And like that came across the first time we talked together, like that came across like how powerful you are in your expression, your voice, like that, that really actually like your voice is so inspiring. And I, I think I said that the first time that I met you, but I think the, the reason behind that is not your voice is the feeling and the emotion behind being in that, you know, like empowered expression of yourself. And I think there is so much courage that lies within that. And like, it's not easy to, you know, wake up one day and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to become okay with my accent because mm -hmm. there is so much trauma that is behind that, right? Like you've literally been told I and I, I resonate with that because I also, you know, like I also get that a lot, like people being like, oh, you have an accent. And I'm like, yes. And that doesn't mm -hmm. define who I am. And even if like I have the right to live in this world exactly how I want to live and nobody can take that away from me. If I realize my agency in that and I say that word many times, the reason why is because like there is so much courage behind saying, shut the fuck up. I'm going to be who I am and like I'm not going to let you take my power away and there is there is so much work that goes into it I also want to recognize that mm. it's it's so much like you know work towards like being accepting and compassionate and kind to yourself the same way that you are to other people that goes into like becoming that expression that goes into you speaking your truth Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, that's so important to recognize because obviously if it was easy, yes. everyone would do it. Exactly. And it kind of ties also into what you mentioned at the beginning, the identity part. So in your case, do people ever ask you, how do you identify yourself? Like, what is your identity? What is home for you? How, what do you do with that kind of question? What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. I get that question at <laughs> least once every day. Oh. more than 10 times a day yeah especially when you immigrate to a new place like like it's just such a common question of like oh so how do you identify now and I'm like well I kind of want to say how I 
answer that is identity is such a fluid multifaceted like concept for me that I wouldn't be able to like just say it in one sentence and then like just you know get out of this question what I answer to this question all the time is my identity has been shaped through many phases of my life and my emotions and everything I've been through and the definition of home for me is coming back to all that, like mm-hmm. coming back to myself, coming back to like realizing that where I come from or where I lived or who I've worked with or what my career was does not define who I am. They're part of me. Yes, they're part of my lived experience. And what defines me is how I show up every single day in my life. It's how I live knowing that my identity is a combination of all these elements and all these people and all these, you know, questions even. Like, I love that question sometimes because it brings me back to realize, oh my God, what is home for me? It's me being with my lived experience and choosing to change it every day. Like not being attached choosing to, to grow. Yeah, choosing to grow with yeah. them, with those experiences. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, identity is usually something that I don't think I have in question around that anymore, but it used to happen, especially at the beginning. And, you know, I still refer to Venezuela as home, even though I have not been there in 13 years and I have not lived there in 20 plus. So I still say, yeah, home, back home. But I also say that about New York or about Florida or about LA. So it's a combination of all those places. And my unique experience has been shaped by all of that. And I still call, obviously, I still call myself Venezuelan, but I am Venezuelan American. It's it's so important to accept the fact that my life has been completely shaped and shifted around the fact that I have lived in the States for so long. And when I meet, when I meet other Venezuelans or where I, where I get to see my Venezuelan friends from so long ago, they're like, Ooh, you're still gringa. And I'm like, it's not that it's just that you have to adapt and you have to change and you, you start incorporating things from your new culture that you like, and you maintain the things from your former home that you feel safe with. And some of them you let go. Some of them you're like, well, not because I used to do this back home, then I'm going to do it here. It doesn't align anymore. And even people, it just doesn't align. Some conversations don't align anymore. So that's obviously going to happen to you. You already lived it once. So it's going to happen to you again, where it's like some of those friends from home are just going to be memories and they're just going to become a beautiful part of certain period of your life. And some of those friendships will transcend and but most of them won't. And even being okay with that. And I think, you know, every time you were talking about home, whether you were doing it consciously or not, you kept touching your heart. You know, you kept touching your heart to indicate that that's home. It's where your heart is. It sounds silly. It sounds like cliche, something we've seen in movies, but it's true. And it's like, so where is your heart right now? I know, I know there's, there's a lot of love around your career and what you want to create. So what else is going on in your heart? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love what you said about like, yeah, I still refer to, obviously I still refer to Iran as home, but when I moved back from the U S to Iran, it it was part of me was so confused because Mm -hmm. I was like, and this is also home. And now this is home again. (laughs) Like, it's just such a confusing, you know, like sort of part of the identity. And I would say, 
yeah definitely where my heart is I I think where my heart is at the moment a big part of it is still in Iran like I would say like part like why I became a coach part of why who like who I became in the past few years is being an Iranian woman and especially the past few years I would say like Iranian women are what like drive me to become better every day because part of me feels like by becoming my most powerful embodied self and really learning to be of service in the world is so much more impactful than me staying in Iran and like you know holding back part of myself because I can't live it and because it's not allowed to live it I would say my heart at the moment is like literally living that full expression of who I am and like showing the world who Iranian women are and being able to give back to that community because I am more powerful because I am doing the things that I love and because you know like I always tell my partner like I want to become so powerful and so rich and so abundant that I can give back to the people that I worked with in Iran every single day that's like my motive I wake up and I'm like I'm gonna do this to give back to that community and this is the only way that it's possible so I'm gonna like do it for myself and do it for them so I would say a big part of my heart is in recognizing my power and how I can use that to be impactful in the world and in creating deep human connections that's why I coach part of my heart is seeing people especially women like literally taking women's hands like bringing them up the stairs is like hell yeah like I'm gonna do that and I hope every woman learns to do that because through that powerful connection through that powerful way of being and supporting each other we can be a vessel of change in the world and that's what I want at the end of the day for work to be you know more accepting and more compassionate towards women we first have to do that ourselves right everything that you said it it just kept giving me bigger and bigger chills. First of all, because I know you and I know that you mean every single word of that. This is not, uh, let me put in my coach character persona and sell my services. This is not at all what you are about. I seen you showing up the way that you show up with your quirky, creative self, allowing people to do the same thing, just because if we're not having fun, then what's the point? And even having power within that, within saying, I am going to show you even those silly sides of me that might not make any sense, but that it will make other people be, huh, I want some of that. I want to have some playtime. And at the same time, this other side of you that is so powerful and so passionate about wanting to change and wanting to help people to wanting to create an impact. And I think I, I feel it in my bones because that's what I want. What you described is exactly what I want. And obviously we have this connection with our own community. So the way that you see it for Iranian women, that's how I see it with my Latinos. You know, it's like, I want to see these Latinos shine and come on people. It's like, and I was not brought up that way. You know, the Latino community, I mean, one of the things that we tend to talk a lot about is that how there has been so much jealousy and envy and things that we grew up with. And, and if, if you do well, that means that I don't get to do well. And for me, dismantling those beliefs and say, why does it have to be that way? Why me being abundant means that you'll be poor? No, it's not. And so that's part of the reason I express myself the way I do. 
And that because I want to see other people succeed. I want to see people shine their light. And it's just like whenever I see someone showing up the way that you do it, I just want to like hug them virtually and say, yes, queen, yes, king. That's what we're meant to do. And we're meant to be building the next step for the next person to come to do it even better. So Rosa, everything you said, I think it's really going to be very impactful for a lot of people. And I I want to thank you for your raw honesty. I also want to honor the fact that we try to keep things in a very safe space for you because where you come from is not a place where you can be having these huge conversations that we are not even going to get there. I understand that coming from a place where sometimes it doesn't feel safe either to speak our full truth. But please know that I know that if it was up to you, you will even scream louder than what it is and again it's not about the loudness of your voice it's about the truth behind your words so this has been amazing and I want to take the opportunity to ask you a random question and let's see okay I'm just gonna pull a card okay this is about relationships which is so prevalent for you right now what is your definition of an ideal friendship? Ooh, that's so great because we just <laughs> talked about like you know sisterhood and like women and jealousy and all the things we just talked about I think it's so relevant to that because I would say friendship for me there's so much around acceptance and safety when I hear that word because for me a friend is I would consider myself a good friend if I am present with someone with my full heart and full acceptance in a way that creates safety for them and I say that with like I grew up, if I like want to like touch base on that, I grew up believing that I have to create certain dynamics for my friends to love me or like I have to be like this for that certain group to hang out with me and be, you know, like all these like ways of being that when I think about it, I'm like, how did we survive that? But <laughs> like, to be honest with you, like for me, like it's so important to show someone that they're fully safe in whatever way they are. And they don't need to change a single thing for me to accept and love them. And I didn't have so much of that growing up. Like I wouldn't say I had a lot of friends that I would say they created the space for me. I always felt unsafe towards part of myself. So then as I grew up and I started, you know, really learning to create deeper connection with people and I showed up as myself and I was vulnerable enough to show up as myself, I realized what makes a difference in a friendship for me and what makes it an ideal is this acceptance of like, hey, like anything you are is welcome. And also being with the difficult parts of our friends, mm. because like understanding our humanness besides like being friends and like our shadows in friendships, because this is what we've been fed all of our lives. And now we're trying to do this. And it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. And it's not going to be like a straight up path that any of us take. And I'm going to show up fully accepting of that, showing up as someone who cares about how people feel, feel safe in their bodies and in their beings and with their emotions. And I hope and aspire to live that with any friends that I have to show them that their whole is welcome. I notice also that this is how you're leading your coaching practice, right? Like this is some of the themes that you bring in within as a coach. So tell me a little more about your coaching services. What is it that you do that you get to offer? 
yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is so much of that because the word safety means a lot in my coaching sessions. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of body-oriented and somatic coaching and also like I would say purpose coaching and somatic coaching together. And the reason why I love to work with the body, when I say that word, somatic or body oriented, some people freak out. They're like, mm. my God, we have to do like, what are we going to do? But it's so simple. It's just building a relationship with our body and our emotions within the container of the body. Because I think as humans, we're so much in the head sometimes. So for me in coaching, bringing people back to the essence of their container of the body and learning to listen to the signals from the body, to the signals that the emotions give us through the body is so powerful on a deeper layer of our unconscious that we might not necessarily be able to talk about. It really goes deep within the story behind the story that we bring into the coaching. So, so many of my clients come into the coaching with one story and then they really, you know, take it deeper and they understand that's not the story. Something mm -hmm. else is within that. And I think body can do so much of that for them. So I would say the biggest thing that I work with is somatic. And also I work with women who are so fed up with living life as expected by others, like living a nine to five job, for example, or living a design job without being creative and doing it every day without thinking like why they came into it in the first place or not letting their full expression to live through their creative career. I work with these women to bring them back to their power and their agency. And really, I think like my coaching style is very also client-based. So whatever the client comes with, that's what I take in and that I work with them to, you know, take out their blocks and doubts and really guide them to come back to their essence and to who they are mm -hmm. as a human, to come back home to their body. And if someone wants to work with you or is curious about what you do, how can they find you? So right now I am on Instagram. You already said my username is Compassion Lightworker. Uh, I, I am in the process of uh, building your website. That's part of your creative process too. You know, that's where you get to put yeah. a, a, your, your creativity in action. Building a business, it's part of like how you can express your own creative self and do it with your colors and your branding and the way that you want it because you are the boss of yourself and nobody tells you what to do. <laughs> I love exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. And I love that so much. Like if you look through my Instagram, I do so much of that with like, you know, photo shoots and things like that. And like, bringing in colors and photos that I love and I think that's that's so empowering as a creative too just being able to like say fuck yeah I'm gonna do everything that I that I want yeah and I think is going to work and nobody else is gonna tell me anything it's so empowering it, it's also another way I, I tell people all the time especially those who feel very Eh, about social media I say it's all about how you approach social media because for me Social media is a way to express myself and is one of my creative outlets. 
So if you're in social media, just to scroll and get triggered by the things that, you know, the news or whatever is going on in the world, I don't know if that's the best use of social media. But I know that you, Rosa, you approach it in a very similar way than me. It's about having fun. It's about the, the things that you really want to share because you want to inspire somebody or because you want to make somebody laugh or because you like something that looks cute. Simple as that. I know you post a lot of flowers. For some reason, I associate you with flowers. I think you've done a lot of pictures with flowers. But even the color skin, the things, it there's a purpose behind that. It, it's intentional. It's not just like a random thing. And it, you know, not everybody probably will connect with that message. But for me, I approach social media from a creative standpoint of view. And, and I love that you do as well. Yes, absolutely. I, I resonate with that. And I love it so much too. And I think, you know, part of me wants to say that's how I'm being creative and playful in my career. Like mm -hmm. social media gives me, you know, this space to do that. And mm -hmm. every time I sit to like post something, like my sparks of creativity comes up and it's like, yeah, let's, let's make some fun. And let's play. Yeah, definitely yes. resonate. Yeah, yeah, let's play. Absolutely. Well, Rosa, this has been just delightful. I knew it was going to be. I had such a good connection that one time that we met, uh, that first time that we spoke. And it was, I remember finishing our chat and me going straight to my mom and my husband and telling them, I just met the sweetest, most kind soul that I've met in a while. And it just felt so good to talk to her. And it was yeah, it was like if our hearts were talking to one another and I still feel the same way. And please know that you have a cheerleader on me. I'm so curious to see what you're going to create next because I know it's going to be fun. It's going to be powerful. And like you said, it's going to give you a voice that will elevate a lot of other women. And I'm so excited to see that. So thank you so much thank for your time. You. Thank you so much. It, it goes back to you. The first time that I met you and I talked to you, you were my coach, actually, we were doing a session, you were my coach. <laughs> yeah. And a, I, I remember coming out of it and feeling so connected, because you shared so much of yourself in your coaching session. And I think like, for me, that was so beautiful. And there was so many threads of connection between us, that even that like one session was something that I took away and that I will I've always remember. And that's like the power of transformative coaching sessions, right? Like yes. you come out of them and you remember something within that, that changed you. And I think like you did that for me. And I would say your presence is so warm and so beautiful and so authentic. Mm -hmm. You don't try to be anything other than yourself. And I'm so appreciative of that, especially as a woman. To see that is empowering. So thank you. Thank oh, you for having me. I love you, girl. <laughs> I love you. I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced and mixed by Leo Rod. And thanks to Mark West and Mark West Art for the fantastic show music. Before you go, I've got three quick favors to ask. First, hit that subscribe button. Next, if you know someone who could use a little spark in their life, share this episode with them. Just imagine that you're spreading joy like a puppy wagging its tail. Lastly, leave a review. Every review makes me as happy as a puppy with a new chew toy. You get it. But seriously, your support is what keeps this show going and glowing. Keep shining bright, my friend.